Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Tuesday. A lot of stuff that I want to talk about on the podcast today. I'm going to be getting into the shocking news in regards to the exit of one of the top-notch Marvel executives at Marvel Studios right now. And no, it isn't Kevin Feige. But it is someone of great importance, and we'll get into the significance of it and what it means for the future of the MCU with kind of the 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 lull that they're going through right now, especially coming off of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I also have some Star Wars news that I want to get into as well, and so much more. But the first thing that I do want to start off with, and even though I'm starting this on a Tuesday, it, it is still kind of fresh a little bit. People are still kind of talking about it, and that, of course, is the weekend box office recap and this month of March so far has been incredible. I haven't really had a news podcast to kind of talk about the box office over these last couple of weeks, especially when Creed 3 and Scream 6 came out. But the beginning of March really has kind of lived up to the expectations of what we had for this month, where we had basically every single weekend was what exactly we needed to kind of boost the box office to kind of jumpstart the theatrical exhibition again, even though we've had that going on in 2022, especially in 2021. But this is the kind of stuff that we needed to have where every single weekend we have another big, highly anticipated project, high-profile project coming out every single week. Creed 3 started off in the beginning of March. The weekend before was Scream 6. And this past weekend, it was Shazam! Fury of the Gods. And while Scream 6 and Creed 3 did incredibly well and even outperformed the initial expectations and numbers that a lot of prognosticators had for those films, coming into Shazam! Fury of the Gods, which is again a big DC film, it's directed by David F. Sandberg, it's a sequel to a 2019 film that did very well, people really enjoyed the first one, so this one has the improvement of a budget it expands on what you would want in a sequel. So you would think maybe, probably, that this film would overperform a little bit beyond some of those expectations and do very well for itself. Unfortunately, that didn't turn out to be the case for Shazam! Fury of the Gods, as while it did come in as the number one film at the box office, it came in very well below the expectations that was set for the film. As initial projections had it around $35, $40 million, people were hoping maybe, maybe it could get to $50 million and maybe try to match the opening weekend of the first film, which did around $53.5 million opening weekend back in 2019. Unfortunately, that did not turn out to be the case as Shazam! Fury of the Gods came in way below those expectations, grossing an initial opening weekend of $30.1 million at the box office. Internationally, it grossed $34 million for a worldwide total of $64 million, which even the worldwide total is coming in well below the expectations and the performance of the original Shazam! film, which opened up at around... 80 plus million dollars opening weekend so not a great start for this film it is according to the the box office pro and a lot of these records the lowest opening for a dc film in even when you exclude or especially when you exclude the pandemic openings that happened during covid specifically wonder woman 1984 which was a simultaneous release both in theaters and on hbo max it opened up with around 16.7 million dollars and then of course in 2021 still doing the simultaneous release 
release on streaming service and in theaters was James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, which opened up with $26 million. So besides those two films, when you exclude the pandemic numbers for those films and the scenarios that they were kind of coming out with, where it's a day and date release, Shazam for Every Gods is very much a theatrical play. It's not playing on any streamer, not in video on demand, nowhere else, just in theaters. It is one of the lowest, if not the lowest opening for a DCU film, strictly for theaters. And that is not a good sign, especially in the midst of this transition going on for... DC right now where it's inheriting new leadership with Peter Safran, James Gunn. It's really kind of up in the air if some of these characters like a Wonder Woman and Aquaman played by Gal Gadot, Jason Momoa, or even a Zachary Levi with Shazam, will they be kind of sticking around and be a part of this new era or is everything going to be stripped down to its bare bones and every single character is going to be recast with somebody new? So there's still a lot of questions up in the air about that. And so maybe if this film performed modestly well or exceeded opening weekend expectations and did well on its run, then maybe it showcased that fans did like this character and this iteration of it, that they would maybe keep it around. And with these numbers, it's probably not going to do that. I mean, even when you look at Black Adam's numbers from last year, even with that movie, and it did not do well overall when you look at the financial numbers worldwide domestically that that film did it still made 67 million dollars in its opening weekend and you had the added benefit of having somebody like Dwayne the Rock Johnson in the the leading role and not to say that Zachary Levi can't command a presence and have a leading man mentality and do well as a leading man he just doesn't have the presence where the rock is truly one of the biggest if not the biggest star in the world really when it comes to Hollywood and so the fact that Shazam didn't even do better than Black Adam or even didn't get close to that, again, not even matching the original Shazam's opening weekend numbers, showcases that it maybe there just wasn't enough juice in the tank for this one. I mean, it's been a couple of years since the first film. It came out in 2019. And also, this film has kind of been a victim of the tumultuous tenure of the DC Universe right now, where, again, it's transitioning leaders, but even before then, undergoing multiple release date changes, whether it's because of the pandemic or whether it's because of maybe potential reshoots or problems happening during the production and post-production work of the film, or whether it's because of actual release date changes where it was supposed to come out in December around the Christmas time of 2022, but because of Avatar The Way of Water and the fact that Avatar was going to have a stronghold on a lot of the premium format screens, whether it's IMAX, 3D, Dolby, it wasn't going to have those those theaters for it. And especially for a comic book film, you really do need every single premium level theater and screen at your disposal. So Warner Brothers and New Line, who are also producers and partnering on this, on this franchise, they decided smartly, I might add, to move the film to a more comfortable release date. And again, this quarter around the end of winter springtime when the first Shazam film came out, Again, it did very well for itself, and I think they saw maybe it could do kind of maybe repeat that or even do a little bit better, and that did not turn out to be the case this time around, and it's it's going to be very interesting to see what the future, again, of this franchise is going to be. Again, is Zachary Levi going to come back or any of these characters going to come back? And if you want to check out my review for Shazam, I just posted it yesterday in regards to what I thought of the film. And just to kind of give a little thought about it, I really did enjoy it. I had a lot of fun with it. And so it's a shame that, unfortunately, this film just didn't, didn't, didn't 
scratch people's itches to go back to the theater to see this. And I think there's a multitude of layers to that. I think truly that we're in a period right now, at least in the next couple of weeks, where there are multiple films to check out that I think are drawing more interest to people, whether that is a Creed 3, whether that is a Scream 6, or in the next couple of weeks where John Wick Chapter 4 this upcoming week is getting rave reviews. Dungeons & Dragons, the new movie coming out next week, is actually getting surprisingly very good reviews coming out of its premiere at the South by Southwest Film Festival. And then the weekend after, to begin April, is the Super Mario Brothers movie. So there is, a again, a big stretch right now where you could find families, adults, teenagers, young adults, kind of maybe saving their money and seeing the landscape of movies that are out there right now and saying, you know what, I don't need to see Shazam 2 right now, and especially because of the transition with DC, I don't need to see it. It might not really matter in the end. I'll wait for other DC films to come out that I'm interested in. And they could be saving their money up for this weekend with John Wick or the next couple of weeks and or saving up for the summer movie season, which is going to be very big as well, even though that's well a month away. But still, people are choosing where to spend their money. And again, theaters are one of the last things people think about, unfortunately, when it comes to doing activities and, and oh, do we need to go to the movies right now or can we save up and maybe watch something at home? Because that's still very much a viable option for a lot of people. But if there's something that entices you, they're going to save their money and say, you know what, I'm not going to see something this weekend. I'll wait for the next weekend or the weekend after that. So I think there all those different aspects, the fact that DC is in a, is in a transitional change, people might not have really wanted to see this film because, again, it did the first one did well for itself. It didn't make $500 million. It made three to $400 million, and that was off of an, an initial budget of around $95 million. So it made a little bit of a net profit for itself back in 19. So it could have been the fact that just people enjoyed the first film, didn't want to go see this one, had no reason to go see it, or it also could have been the fact that people just were saving their money. There's a lot of big stuff coming out that people might just be more interested in in Shazam! Fury of the Gods. And even I have to say, looking at this month and hearing about all the projects, one of the ones that was kind of going under the radar, but again, in the day and age we live in, it's it's big because of the genre that it's in, and that's the comic book genre. Shazam! wasn't getting the kind of buzz or really the kind of level of anticipation that even a Creed 3 was getting, a Scream 6, a John Wick. None. It was going well below that, so it was kind of telling... And it was still shocking to see how low this film came in at. They're not even crossing $40 million, coming in below the the lesser side of the projection at 35, coming well below that. That's not good. And I would I'm always trying to find the writing on the wall or trying to find the positives in this. And there's no positives in this. There really isn't. This is going to be a box office bomb. And it has a bigger budget, not a huge budget, but $125 million before marketing when you add in the marketing where they really rolled out the red carpet for it and they went all across the world to promote this film, probably going to cost another 50 or so million dollars, maybe a little bit more in the end. So you're you're still trying to maybe look at making this a profit of around maybe $500, $600 million, maybe $400 on the lesser side. But still, and, and again, in this market right now, it's going to have big, significant drops because the demographic that maybe is tuning into this in about a week or so are going to have to either go to Dungeons & Dragons or to John Wick Chapter 4 or even Super Mario Brothers. So again, this is going to have big incremental drops. So the fact that it didn't start out strong 
is very, very telling. And again, I'm somebody who says you want to look at the bigger picture. What are the legs of a film going to be? But you still have to have a very good opening to say, or even a good opening to see, okay, well, we're, let's see where the legs go with this film. Like to me, and we'll get into it in a minute, but Ant-Man and the Wasp's Quantumania had a really good start in the beginning because it was a big franchise high, $100 million the three-day, 120 or so million, or 117 rather million plus in the four-day weekend because it came out President's Day, did very well for itself to get a franchise best in opening day, but the legs for the film haven't been good. So that's a case where it starts off modestly well. You want to see where it goes. This is a case where it doesn't start off the gate really strong. Again, it could maybe catch fire and get some legs, but the way that the the month that we're in right now, I just do not see how it is possible right now. And again, it got a good cinema score. It got it's getting good buzz, but it's just that there's there's nothing really good to say about this this film's box office performance coming out of the gate. And you hope maybe again it changes, but I'm not seeing that right now. And I think it comes into question of is this actually is this truly comic book fatigue between Ant-Man of the Wasp, again, starting out, I think, modestly well, but again, its legs so far have not done its service. It's not even cracking $500 million worldwide yet, which for a Marvel film is not the best thing when a lot of your films tend to cross $500 million worldwide pretty easily. It's a struggle for Ant-Man of the Wasp Quantumania, and then the second big comic book film coming out this year in Shazam! Fury of the Gods doesn't do well and, and is pretty much a flop right out of the gate, and I just... It, it's just a question of is there truly comic book fatigue and I think when you look at the last few comic book movies overall even taking into account something like a Black Adam really or even kind of like a Thor Love and Thunder in a way I think these films aren't up to snuff with what people really want to see right now I don't think it's a question of fatigue I think it's a question of quality fatigue in a comic book movie right now and I think films like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and The Flash are actually going to subside that conversation because i do think those films are going to be are going to be quality films that people are going to enjoy they're going to go want to go back to the theater for during the summer season and then those questions are i think are going to come back up again once we get to blue beetle the marvels aquaman i think that's when those conversations that we're having right now are going to pick up back again so i think it's it's a legit conversation to have about some fatigue not all of it because i do think if you make good content, it will it will come in the box office numbers, and I think we're going to see that happen with Guardians and The Flash. So I think we're going to have a little bit of a subsidiary, subside conversation with this in the next couple of months and go back to some good numbers for comic book movies, but right now, these are concerning numbers, and again, it's just a shame for a film that, I, again, I really did enjoy that it just didn't come out well during the box office so that is the king of the box office this weekend, even though the numbers were modest in Shazam! Fury of the Gods. And then coming at a number two this weekend was the number one film of last weekend, and that, of course, is Scream 6, which grossed an additional $7.3 million at the box office. It has now grossed $75 million domestically, $40 million internationally for a worldwide total of $115 million. And... Again, just to kind of talk about Scream 6 for a minute, this is a really, really good first two weeks for this film. And I think it just showcases how strong Scream still is and that last year's Scream 5 did very, very well to kind of reinvigorate the franchise once again. I think kind of touching on the nostalgia bits with the core three 
and then introducing this new core four with Melissa Barrera. You have Jasmine Savoy, Brown, Jenna Ortega, and Mason Gooding. I think it showcases that there's new life to this franchise. And even though it's going to be great maybe to still have Gale and Sydney and Kirby and maybe see some of these other characters from the original Scream films, there's a new fresh blood that is resonating with the, the fans and people that really enjoy horror. And they make these on really good budgets where it's quality. It's 30, It was upped from Scream 5 to Scream 6 by around maybe an additional 10 15 million dollars the 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 six film out between 30 to 35 million dollars before marketing and advertising and so i think that the quality of this is really really good i think the fact that it is going to probably overperform and outperform the the fifth film is good and i think we're going to get more of these films coming down the pipeline now whether we get one next year or we have to wait two years still is set to be determined but I think it showcases that there's no slowing down with this franchise. The franchise is in good hands with the with the team of Radio Silence. It's got a great cast, great quality back into this one once again. I'm excited to see where we go in the future. I think they've been two for two so far in this new era of Scream films. So I'm really happy to see that it's doing well at the box office in this year so far in 2023 then coming in at number three this weekend was creed 3 which grossed an additional 15.3 million dollars at the box office it has so far grossed 127 million dollars domestically 96 million dollars internationally for a worldwide total of 224 million dollars another great success for success story excuse me for the mid-budget film as creed 3 really is raking in franchise money for this ip so far and i think this means that we're going to be getting more creed films a creed universe which was reported on last week when it was announced that amazon is working with michael b jordan to create tv shows anime shows more movies potentially spin-offs and i think the box office is showing that that very much so amazon who recently acquired mgm which mgm owns the rocky franchise and therefore owns the creed universe which is it's spin-off from it showcases that there is there is blood in this and that there is interest in seeing more from this universe. And I think they did, they did a really good job in Creed 3 of showcasing Adonis' story, but branching off and introducing his daughter and having her kind of do her own show is going to be interesting to see. And, and introducing us to all these interesting characters, I would want to see more from. And so I'm really excited to see what they're going to be able to do with this franchise. But to see Creed 3 do really, really well at the box office is great. I'm a big fan of what Michael B. Jordan did in that third film. I'm, I'm a big fan of what really Ryan Coogler started and kind of adding new life in the Creed franchise, in the Rocky universe once again, after Rocky Balboa all these years, all those years ago. So to see more of these would be great. I really enjoy the third film, and I'm hoping to see more of this stuff down the line. And it seems like that will be the case given what the box office is seeking right now, what it is showing us at this moment in time. Coming in at number four was 65, the film with Adam Driver. It grossed an additional $5.8 million at the box office. It has now grossed $22 million domestically, internationally, and now has a total of $16.4 million for a worldwide total of $38.8 million. Then to go down to the bottom half of the top 10, coming in at number 5 is the MCU film Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which grossed an additional $4.2 million, $205 million domestically, and has grossed $257 million internationally for a worldwide total of $463 million. And again, 
came out really well, but over these last couple of weeks, even though it's still in the top five right now, it's just not has it has not been a very good look for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Then coming in at number six, coming off of number five from last weekend, was Cocaine Bear, which grossed an additional $3.9 million and now has $58 million domestically, $16 million internationally, for a worldwide total of $75 million at the box office. Staying at the number seven spot from last weekend was the religion film Jesus Revolution, which grossed an additional $3.8 million at the box office and now has $45 million domestically, has not come out worldwide yet, so it's it's worldwide total is the same as its domestic total coming in at number eight this weekend and its second weekend was champions which grossed an additional 3.1 million dollars at the box office and now has 10.6 million dollars domestically 1.5 million dollars internationally for a worldwide total of 12 million dollars then to round out the top 10 coming in at number nine was the avatar the way of water which grossed two million dollars at the box office and now has 678 million dollars domestically 1.6 billion dollars internationally for a worldwide total of 2.3 billion dollars at the box office currently now the number three highest grossing film of all time worldwide and then closing out the top 10 this weekend was the dreamworks animated film Puss in Boots, The Last Witch, which grossed $1.5 million at the box office and now has $182 million domestically, $288 million internationally for a worldwide total of $470 million at the box office. So that will round out the top 10 for this weekend. Once again, counting down from 10 to 1, number 10 was Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Number 9 was Avatar, The Way of Water. Number 8 was Champions. Number 7 was Jesus Revolution. Number 6 was Cocaine Bear. Number 5 was Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Number 4 was 65. Number 3 was Creed 3. Number 2 was Scream 6. And this week's champion coming in at number 1 is the new DC film Shazam! Fury of the Gods. So that is your box office recap from the Sam Bissell podcast this weekend. What did you guys think about this weekend's numbers and results? Do you agree with them? Do you not agree with them? What did you guys think about Shazam Fury of the Gods performance? Do you think that it is comic book fatigue? What do you think about if Shazam will be back for future installments in the new era of DC under James Gunn and Peter Safran? Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. Now to move on to some movie news that is going on around the world of Hollywood. There was a very cool, exciting announcement that actually came out yesterday from the trades, and it was announced that one of the biggest, hottest directors in the game right now, that whenever you hear his project or an, an announcement of a new project for him, you are already circling the date for when that film is going to come out. And that, of course, is the one and only Jordan Peele, who his last three films have just been incredible. They've been really good box office hits, but also they've been received ravely from both critics and fans alike from Get Out to Nope to Us. And it seems like he now has his fourth film in the works now in his directorial arsenal that is set for Christmas Day of 2024. And there was also the surprise announcement that even though he is not going to be directing this film that is also coming out in 2024 from his Monkey Paws production company, there's going to be an animated film that he's set to be a producer on also coming out on December 27th of 2024. So for Jordan Peele and company, it is going to be a big year next year for them. When it comes to his next directorial effort, there are no other information or details regarding the actual film, no plot details, no setting, no cast members, but I'm sure we'll probably be hearing about that 
sometime later this year, whether it be the summer or fall time before they begin production. But again, Jordan Peele is just one of those guys where he just creates something new and inventive every time and something wholly, wholly original. And he always has something to say in the films that he works on, whether it's with racial barriers in Get Out or whether it's kind of the classes of society in Us or the the, the conversation about conspiracy theories in Nope and, and science fiction and aliens in that film from last year. He always has something interesting to do while kind of bundling it up in a genre film. And I'm excited to see what he's going to be doing next. I'm excited who he's going to be teaming up with because he's one of those directors where even if an actor is lined up to do something else, they would drop that in a second to work for Jordan Peele whenever he has going on next. And so I'm excited to see what he's going to do. I'm very curious and interested to see how he's going to go up against some of the titans that he's going to be going up against on around that December 2024 area. Because while he does have the Christmas Day slot all to himself, a few days beforehand, specifically five days beforehand, he is going to be having films that are already in the midst of their run between Avatar 3, which again, the sequel, Avatar The Wave of Water, is the third highest grossing film of all time. And he's got probably one of the better successful video game movie adaptations in recent memory when it comes to the Sonic franchise as the third installment in that one is set for the December 20th release date as well. So you have a new Jordan Peele film coming out in 2024 in December. Same thing five days later with Avatar 3 and Sonic the Hedgehog 3. And so right now there is going to be a lot for everyone to get to, whether it's the live-action animation hybrid video game in Sonic or the epic action extravaganza latest from James Cameron in Avatar 3, or you can have the latest horror extravaganza from Jordan Peele on Christmas Day. So there is a lot setting up within that corridor. The question becomes, which one is going to blink and move? And I don't think it's going to be Avatar 3 because Disney 20th Century know what they have in that they know it's worked the past two times, whether it's 09 or 22. Avatar has worked in the December quarter, so they're not going to let that spot go. They've had it reserved for a long, long time anyhow. And so the one that I think blinks and moves either pushes its release date up to earlier in 2024 or they move it to maybe March, April, which has worked out very well for Sonic the Hedgehog 3 in 2025, they move at around that location and it could still do well for itself and it's just Jordan Peele versus the Navi at that point for the end of 2024. So it's I'm gonna I'm very curious to see how that all kind of lines up directly because when I look at these matches, especially when there's not a lot of details to come out about the new film, I'm always looking at to see what the box office match is gonna be. And while Jordan Peele's new movie isn't gonna be a billion dollar hit, I mean, who knows, it could very well be he is in the line with people like a Christopher Nolan where you go see his films because it is that director. It doesn't matter who's in front of the camera, who's behind it. As long as he's the one in the director's chair or he's the one that's writing it as well, you're going to go see the latest from that guy. And it's going to be very interesting because Avatar, I'm sure Disney is going to do what they did last year where they're going to command the very much the premium level format screens. And they're going to command IMAX 3D especially and probably Dolby, Dolby, and with Nope last year, that was a film that was shot on IMAX cameras and was made to be seen on an IMAX screen, so if Jordan Peele wants to up his game a little bit, because every single one of his films, he's 
become more of a, a of a technical savant. And I think Nope was his best when it came to that height of working with people like Hoyt Van Hoyt, who works with Nolan on a lot of his films, and he works a lot with kind of the camera specs and what he wants to do to enhance the theatrical experience and also the story elements. Is is he gonna want to command those theaters? So maybe this film moves its date to sometime in twenty twenty five to allow for the access to those premium level screens that you're you're definitely not going to get with Avatar three, or it could be something that maybe is a little bit smaller and relies more on the story, like a Get Out or an Us, and is going to be something that doesn't really require that so much. So. I'm very curious to see where this film is going to go. I'm very curious to see about this matchup that we be, we could be getting next year in the Christmas corridor. And if all three films stay, it's going to be a great Christmas weekend extravaganza for a lot of people that want to go to the movies at around that time period. So what do you think about Jordan Peele's next movie? Again, announced for a Christmas Day release of 2024. Who do you think is going to star in it? What do you think it's going to be about? And do you think it actually maybe might move because if it is a film that it requires the biggest screens possible, will it move kind of like what Shazam did last year going into this year where they want the IMAX screens, 3D screens, and they move to March to get those? Do you think they pull something like that for Jordan Peele's next film? Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. Now to move on from Jordan Peele over to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there is a story that just came out last week, or not actually last week, what am I saying last week? Yesterday, rather that was very shocking and surprising and something you really don't hear a whole lot about when it comes to Marvel Studios and the leadership structure there because of how just sound it has been in the decade plus that it has been functional since 2008 and it was announced yesterday and again a big shocker from the Hollywood Reporter that the recently announced president of physical and production visual effects and animation production Victoria Alonso has exited Marvel Studios, and according to The Hollywood Reporter, her last day was this past Friday, and since then she has been out from Marvel Studios, so she is no longer one of the heads of the franchise there, and this isn't just some executive that basically leaves. This is, for a lot of people, one of the biggest advisors to Ken Feige, if not his number three or number two, alongside Louis D'Esposito, whenever you hear Kevin Feige or Marvel Studios, the next couple of names you think of are D'Esposito and, of course, Victoria Alonso in, in, in one way or another, however you rank them behind Feige. And so this was a big, big announcement that came out and one that, again, you don't hear a lot from Marvel Studios, something you, you hear from, from Warner Brothers or DC or somebody else. There has been no reasoning for why Victoria Alonso has left, but ever since the initial report came out from THR that she did exit Marvel Studios... There was another report that, or rather a few tweets from a report that came out from Chris Lee over at The Vulture, who also works for New York Magazine, and talked about how the response coming from some of the other departments that Victoria Alonso was overseeing from Marvel Studios overall, and specifically the visual effects department. This is what he had to say in regards to what he had been hearing about the reaction to Victoria Alonso's exit. So many visual effects sources have told me Victoria Alonso was singularly responsible for Marvel's toxic work environment, a kingmaker who rewarded unquestioning fealty with an avalanche of work, but who also maintained the blacklist that kept FX pros wild-eyed with fear. She held a crazy amount of power, big-footing all major creative decisions on Marvel movies and shows. Kevin Feige and Victoria Alonso personally approved every single shot 
all the visual effects work, which is usually the job of a director or showrunner. One tech told me, coming from Chris Lee, the main one that everyone's quite scared of is Victoria Alonso. If she likes you, you're going to get work and you're going to move up in the industry. If you have pissed her off in any way, you're going to get frozen out. So it seems like when it at least comes to the visual effects area of Marvel Studios, it seems like people are very much elated a little bit maybe that Victoria Alonso is no longer there. But this is still, again, a very, very, very big deal as this is somebody who had been with the with Marvel ever since its inception as a studio, ever since the first Iron Man film. And then she became a full-time executive producer when it came to working on Avengers. And then ever since 2021, she has been kind of the overseer when it comes to the post-production work, the VFX, the animation stuff. So again, she has become a big proponent. I always see her on red carpet. She's somebody who very much represents the Marvel brand. And it's become kind of the public spokesperson more so maybe then a Kevin Feige, who, again, you see when you need to see him or you hear when you need to hear from him, but you hear a little bit more from Victoria Alonso. And, again, this is just something that you don't see a whole lot of from Marvel Studios, who, again, just have kind of gone totally untouched, no chinks in the armor whatsoever. They're kind of smooth sailing, no drama. But over these last couple of months, last couple of years, really, there's kind of been a little bit of a drama and kind of you see those chinks in the armor and this is very much so one of the biggest, biggest chinks of armor that you see in Marvel Studios and I think very much so it has to do with Ant-Man of the Wasp Quantumanium not performing very well and all due respect to the VFX artists and there's been great reports from Vulture that have come out over the last year or so really talking about how overworked the VFX artists are and how they're kind of leaving one project to go to the other project that requires more focus than another one. And I think even though I enjoy some of these Marvel projects in Phase 4, you definitely see sometimes the quality and the VFX kind of go down a little bit. And they're not up to par of what we're used to seeing in a Marvel Studios production, really, whether it's a TV show or a movie. And so I think this could have just been the writing on the wall, and they just decided to part ways. Now, when they say she exited and it was all amicable, that's usually the basic kind of PR move that a lot of companies give, so there's not a lot of drama. But usually you get the drama once you kind of get the insiders that kind of crawl into the spaces, find the little tidbits here and there that will, of what was really going on. So I'm sure there's more to this than really meets the eye. But I think the big question coming out of this really is, A, how is this going to affect Marvel Studios? And B, is Marvel Studios still kind of the cream of the crop? Are they still that gold standard, or have they been taken down a few notches down to some of these other franchises and studio levels and i think when it comes to both answers the question is yes i think it's gonna have a big effect on marvel and i think the franchise has taken down a few notches i think that marvel the quality has kind of gone down a little bit and it's because of the pace of the properties we're getting shows and movies left and right and again i'm somebody who loves marvel i want more marvel stuff but Sometimes it does get overwhelming, and I think the great thing that they've been doing right now is hitting pause, and you see it in the fact that we're not getting a TV show right now, we're not getting a new movie until Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and also with the release delay for the Marvels, whether it's because of, of post-production problems or problems on the production or certain things, or whether they wanted to have more time to work on the film, whatever the case may be, they're allowing each film, each project to breathe a little bit. Now, 
we're probably not going to get a TV show between now and Guardians 3. It's probably going to be, we just got Ant-Man. The next thing is probably going to be Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And I think that's a good idea because we get a little bit of a breather. Then we go to Guardians 3. And then whether the reports are to believe or not, the fact that Secret Invasion could be moving to June or July maybe of this summer, you still get about a two or three month breather a little bit potentially in seeing another property from Marvel. So I think it seems like there there was some drama going on with Victoria Alonso, and I think this is very much Marvel hitting the pause button in their own way without stopping really a lot of the productions that are going on right now. They're still working a lot of stuff. They're still shooting some things. Captain America New World Order, I think, is starting to shoot in the next couple of days, and Daredevil Born Again has been shooting for the last week or so and starting their principal photography. So things are still going on, but... When it comes to the release model, I think they're 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 allowing themselves to breathe a little bit and, and, and bring back some of that exclusivity to a Marvel film and have it be unique in every single one that you watch. And I think some of that luster died down a little bit. And so I'm hoping that they're able to regain that on the fly in these next couple of months and in this, in this next year or so. So I do think that we'll see where Marvel goes. I don't think this is the, the beginning of the end. For Marvel, I think they've established themselves too much as a power host for that to happen. They're still the biggest profitable franchise in the history of Hollywood, and that includes films and franchises like James Bond, for example, or even going down the lines of Star Wars. They're bigger than that. It's bigger than that right now. It's only been around for a decade plus, really. So I don't think this is the end-all, be-all. But again, sometimes you have a great winning streak, and Marvel had a phenomenal winning streak for the last... 10 plus years, but right now they're in a little bit of a rut. They're in a little bit of a losing streak, and I think they're doing the right thing and trying to get out of it the right way and still move forward, but also work on things that they really need to work on as well. We'll see if it pays off in the next couple of months, years. We'll see where it goes, but I, I think hopefully Marvel can get in a good place once. Again, for Victoria Alonso, again, it's I've seen her on a lot of red carpets. It's going to be weird not seeing her or hear her mentioned to be a part of Marvel again, but if these if these stories are to be believed and the fact that maybe she was more of an of a liability than an asset at this point then you got to do what you got to do you got to protect the business and i think for disney i'm sure bob Iger had a, had a hand in this in some way and i'm sure that you know he's he's laying down the law right now he's trying to get this company back to where it was before he left and i think he's making the right moves right now and i think he's making sure that the creatives and the heads of all these studios Make sure that they're doing just that and following that mantra as well. So we'll see where this all goes. But again, Victoria Alonso has been removed or has left the company that she's been with since the very beginning for the first Iron Man film in Marvel Studios. What do you guys think in regards to this news? Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. And the final two things that I want to talk about on the podcast today is to end in a galaxy far, far away, and to dive into a little bit of Star Wars news. And the first thing that I want to talk about in the amazing galaxy that is Star Wars is to talk about the report that came out yesterday from One Take News and then confirmed by some of the major trades such as Hollywood Reporter and Variety that Academy Award or recent Academy Award winners in The Daniels, who directed the Best Picture winner, Everything Everywhere All at Once, have been announced to be eyeing their next thing a little bit it was already kind of worked on beforehand but the next thing that you will see them direct is going to be in a much bigger landscape and that of course is star wars and specifically it's going to be the john watch produced 
Skeleton Crew show, which is starring Jude Law and is kind of, from what it's been described as, is kind of like Stranger Things meets Star Wars in a way. And it appears that the Daniels have at least directed one of the episodes for Skeleton Crew. And for somebody who's a big Star Wars fan, I love the fact that the Daniels are lending their talents to Star Wars and to this show. I'm excited to see the the unique take that they're going to be able to do in this episode and kind of fit it within the mold of what the show is going to do, but also adding their own crazy unique spin like they did in Everything Everywhere All at Once. And to me, the bigger story when it comes to this is the fact that I texted this this news to a few friends of mine that were re- very bummed by this. And I can understand why they're probably bummed by it because they look at the Daniels and they represent whole holy creativity and and not not having to to go to the major studios and franchises and mold and be molded into doing what those franchise franchises are doing. And to me, I found that to be kind of annoying a little bit coming from them. And, and again, I love my, some of the people that I talk to when I talk to about this kind of stuff. But the Daniels came out and said it and kind of confirmed the story. And the reasoning they did it is exactly why I said that they probably did it. They heard from John Watts who said, hey, do you guys want to work on this? And they said this is really – they did this before the kind of the big takeoff and the big Oscar run of Everything Everywhere all at once. They worked on it, I believe, last year. And they worked on an episode and they put their creativity to it. And I think what a lot of people don't understand, I feel like, is even though Star Wars is a big franchise, it's still one of those things where it's looked at, especially the first two Star Wars films, as one of the great achievements in cinema history. I mean, Star Wars broke barriers. New Hope broke wonders and new ground for what we know filmmaking to be today. And the Daniels look at Star Wars as not just this franchise or this big blockbusting thing that they can put their name to, but they look at it as probably something that they grew up inspired by and they wanted to, to contribute to it. And somebody who they respect and know as an artist asked them, hey, do you want to do this? And they did it. It wasn't like Bob Iger or Kathleen Kennedy said, hey, we want you to do this. You guys are so big right now. We want you to be part of this, but you have to do what we want to do with the show. And again, they're, they're, they're going to add their own unique spin to it, but they got to fit it within what the, the tone of the show is going to be overall. So again, I just think that whatever these guys do, I hope they do small things again, and I hope they do wholly original things. And I hope someday they get budgets enough that are bigger that they can continue to do their own original things as well. And if they want to do some franchise things, all the power to them. They deserve it. And they even said in their announcement at that time, they needed work. Nobody was hiring the Daniels at that point to really do anything. Now they're going to hire the Daniels. Now studios are going to be lining up to to work with them, especially after the record wins that they just accumulated for everything, everywhere, all at once a few weeks ago at the 95th Academy Awards. So they needed to, to stay working. And this was the opportunity. And, and when do you ever really get to say that you worked on a Star Wars project and be directors for it? So I think it's going to be very exciting to see what they do. I just don't know what they're going to do with it because I have no idea what this project is. Again, other than it stars Jude Law, it's within kind of the the Mando timeline that Favreau and Filoni are operating in with Ahsoka and and Boba Fett and Mando and now Skeleton Crew. But other than that, nothing else. And, And other than the fact that really the only synopsis that I have is the idea for it, which is Stranger Things meets Star Wars. And that's it. And so... Whatever they do with this show and whatever they do with the episode that they did, I'm very excited to see what they do with it. And again, it reminds me of something like 
a Taika Waititi, where one of the strengths and one of the good things that, that Taika did in the last couple of years, really, is that Mando episode that he did in the first season. And that's a great example of fitting within a show and what you're doing, but adding what you do best. And, and there were great moments of humor and Taika Waititi dialogue that was in that, that episode that I think the Daniels are going to be very much doing in the episode that they do for Skeleton Crew. So overall, I'm very happy about seeing them going to a galaxy far, far away and seeing what they're going to be doing with Skeleton Crew in the episode that they direct. So let them do it. I'm all for it. Let them do whatever they want. And if it's Star Wars they want to do, let them do Star Wars. And then the last Star Wars bit of news that I want to talk about is the bigger one. And it's something that I saw literally right before I went to bed last night. And it infuriated me a little bit as I was trying to go to bed and get ready for today. And it was the surprise report coming from Jeff Snyder, who works for Above the Line, who has been around this story for Star Wars since last year, since the very beginning. And it has to do with the Damon Lindelof-led Star Wars film that, as of right now, seems to be the next film that is set to kind of come out in 2025 and kind of jumpstart the Star Wars film franchise once again. But it seems like it's going to be without Damon Lindelof and his writer once again, as it was reported by Jeff Snyder that Damon Lindelof and Justin Brett Gibson, who are the writers and kind of the 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 brain trust of this new film, apparently, have apparently exited the project. And according to reports, they turned in a draft of the script around mid-February of this year before parting ways with the project just a few days later. There is a, apparently a new writer on board, although who that writer is is unknown at this time. And still, as of right now, they still have a, a director attached to this project, but and it is still slated as of right now to begin production in February of 2024 with the intention of hitting that release date that they've had for a long, long time of December 19th of 2025. So once again, the big thing they have to take away from this, and it's really the only thing you can take away from this, is once again, Marvel, or not Marvel, but Star Wars, Lucasfilm, lose a big name that is trying to create a movie for them. And right now, Star Wars TV is, whether you want to say it's thriving or not, that's up to you, but right now, Star Wars TV is the thing between Mandalorian, Boba Fett, Obi-Wan, Andor, it is the thing right now. Star Wars filmmaking or film is very much a very bumpy road that just doesn't seem like it has an ending in sight to finally getting off the ground again as it seems like while the film is is still on board, they lose the main creators of that film again. And it's just, it's no surprise at this point. I mean, I was a little surprised because it seems like this, they finally got their act together, at least with getting this project going. But once again, they lose the main heads of the, of this film, and it just goes again to, to Kathleen Kennedy. That's all I can think about at this point, because everything you hear about with Kathleen Kennedy is they want to get this one right. They're very fearful for re redoing the film franchise again and, and getting, the, getting the first one out of the gate again correct, and... Again, I love Kathleen Kennedy as a producer. She's worked on E.T., Indiana Jones films. Her list is undeniable as a film producer. As the head of Lucasfilm and Star Wars, it's 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 rocky. It's been not a great tenure for her. And even though I think at this point now, 
she even though she had a great run in in getting at least the financial gains for those initial star wars films off the ground with episode seven rogue one episode eight episode nine i mean those were billion dollar hits she'll be remembered for that but now more so now than maybe even those hits she'll be remembered for the fact that she had all these creatives and somehow someway whether it was her fault or the or the creative's fault or they just couldn't get along they leave they just every single one we're hiring somebody a few years later they leave we're hiring we're leaving we're hiring we're leaving it's just the seesaw back and forth back and forth and it just is never ever ever ending and it's frustrating at this point because while this one is getting off of the ground, it seems like, and, and all reports and indications seem like this is going to be the next Star Wars film, it seems like this is going to indeed be confirmed and announced, and the first details are going to come out at Star Wars Celebration in just a few weeks, It's it, it becomes more of a question of, is their initial idea still intact, even with this writer coming? Is this, is this writer just kind of punching up dialogue? Are the story beats going to be the same? Is, is everything kind of going to be intact, just some touch-ups here and there? And the director is going to be able to do what they want to do because whoever this new writer is, whether it's just someone coming to touch something up or it's a big writer name, is it going to fall in the same vision that the director has? So it comes into question about the things leading up to casting, storyboarding, production, even though this thing isn't starting apparently production until next year, you have all these things kind of coming into play. And I think more people are going to be hesitant now to be in a Star Wars movie over a show because the shows at least have their acts together. There's some direction in what they're doing. There's some results there. But with the movies, it's just, it's 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 an abyss. It's a dark abyss at this point and that you don't know when it is truly going to end at any given point in time. And so I really don't know what's going to happen with this one. I do think it is going to get off the ground. I think they're far enough along in, post, in pre-production that... They're probably going to get ready for casting soon. They're probably probably have storyboards all set. They probably have locations. I, I'm sure it's at a point now where they're ready to go. But with Star Wars and and, and Lucasfilm at this point, especially with film, uh, you just don't know. Maybe this thing completely falls apart by the wayside, and then we're back to square one. Where we, where we really, other than at least the fringe hope of a Taika Waititi film, everything else when it comes to at least Star Wars films is just dead in the water and we're back to just having nothing whatsoever. So we'll see where it goes. I, I think this is still going to happen. But again, it's it's been a wild roller coaster with the film division. And so anything is possible at this point, good, bad, or ugly. But what do you guys think about the news surrounding Damon Lindelof leaving this Star Wars film? Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. And on that note, that will do it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Ready Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in onto the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, check out Goal Driven Professionals, geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also, make sure to check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson, giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. Also, along the way, make sure to check out these other amazing shows on the podcast solutions, such as the one and only Wrestle Attic Radio, Fretzel Mini Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. 
And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, when you get a chance, make sure to follow me on social media. Find me on Twitter at Samuel. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And also on Facebook at Sam Sell. Once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, keep on screening.